Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, in Oklahoma, football isn't just a sport or a way of life. It's a religion. From the studios of 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma, this is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. And coming up on today's show, CBS has the win totals for the entire Big 12. But since this is the Bedlam Podcast, we'll focus on OU and OSU, and I'll tell you why they're wrong about the Sooners right about the Cowboys. Dylan Gabriel has a team bonding experience down in Medicine Park. Jake Trotter adds another twist to the Baker Mayfield saga. And we'll get into why the Big 12 SEC challenge needs to stay intact even when Oklahoma and Texas bolt for the southeastern part of the country. My name's Eric G. I'm the co-host of the Pat Jones Show on 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Do me a favor, download our app for your phone, and you can listen to us every day from 11 to 2 for Coach Pat, and um, hey, I'd be greatly appreciated of that. Okay, so first, I want to get, get this out of the way, because I understand that the College World Series is going on, and, and, and you're probably really excited about OU only needing, you know, at the time we're recording this, only needing one more win to play in the National Championship Series. Look, I'm excited too, because the last time OU won a National Championship in baseball was when I was in college, all the way back in 1994. So it's kind of cool to see them do that again. However, in the interest of doing the best service I can for you, I'm not going to be fake college baseball guy. It's not a sport we really talk about on the radio all that much. I'm taught you play the hits, College football's always the hit, and you've got to bounce around amongst OU, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State. So we're going to stick to football because that's what I know, okay? And um, like my co-host Pat Jones says, and he always brings this up, and I just have to tell this story real quick. Every year during the World Cup, or every four years during the World Cup, we always get fake soccer guy. Some dude that, that doesn't follow soccer at all, but when the World Cup gets here, the Men's World Cup, he not only knows about every single player on the U.S. men's team, but every single player in Britain, Argentina, Germany, and, and all of a sudden he's a soccer expert. Same with golf. Dude doesn't follow golf all year long. The majors roll around, and all of a sudden he knows the fields, the course, everything from top to bottom, and truthfully is he just got that out of a magazine. So... I'm not going to do that. I am not going to do you the disservice of that. I want to do an honest, forthright podcast and not only play to my strengths because that's better for you, but give you what you deserve. And that's some really good opinions on what's going to happen to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this football season. And let's face it, football is king. It is the hit. It is the Led Zeppelin, the Metallica of sports talk radio. And hey, when that's your wheelhouse, that's what you do. So let's talk about what CBS did for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and that's this. They've got OU sitting at nine and a half wins for the year, and they're telling you to take the under. They've got the wins chalked up to be UTEP, Kent State, Nebraska at TCU, KU, Iowa State, Baylor, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. Okay, the losses are Kansas State, Texas, and at Texas Tech, well, first and foremost, CBS is wrong. 
And yes, I have been telling you for weeks now, months, that since you've had a ton of defection via the transfer portal, you're breaking in a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel, who at least knows Jeff Levy's offense, but let's not quite confuse him with Caleb Williams yet. And I've also stated on several occasions, anyone that tells you they know for sure what OU is going to do this year is lying. And guess what? CBS is no different. But when we take a closer look at the schedule, the minimum you should ever pick OU, as long as they are in the Big 12, is 10-2. and two. And there's a simple reason why. And you know this, but OU's 85, the 85 scholarship players that OU has, are more than likely going to be better than anybody else's 85, except for maybe Texas. And Texas is in football purgatory at the moment. So yes, UTEP, Kent State, Nebraska, all three of those will be wins, and they're great wins to get fat on. And what I mean by that is, it's not that OU will just automatically assume by kicking, you know, kicking all three of these teams' butts that they'll automatically assume that they're national championship material, but they will gain confidence and they will be healthy. And the Nebraska game, and I need I need to come up with a fancy word for this. This is what I need to go into the uh this is what I need to go into the the ticket or the Jim Rome dictionary and come up with a fancy word for this Nebraska game. But I love it for OU one, because in talking to John Hoover today about the whole kind of mentality of the Nebraska program, and he's up in Omaha covering the covering the College World Series and actually had a chance to talk to a three-star kid out of Nebraska that, that OU just got. Look, I'll I'll memorize his name when he gets on campus. He's not on campus yet. But when he gets here and he produces, th- then I'll know who he is. But it is important to remember this. Nebraska didn't recruit this kid or didn't really recruit him till he was too late. And granted, he plays in class in in class C in Nebraska, which is pretty much a private school classification, but he's a defensive end, he's a safety, he's a tight end. I mean, and look, you're looking for any sort of good publicity. It seems like the smart thing to do is go out and recruit this kid. But according to those who are in Nebraska, Scott Frost has been in give-up mode for a while. He knows that this is his last year. He knows that he may not even make it through the season. So there's this really weird attitude of why try. Now, should we take the word of just random fan on the street or random reporter? No, because... We need to know what's going on inside those walls to have a true, well-informed opinion. That being said, I got to think that there's a matter of truth to this. And OU will just ramrod Nebraska this year. And it puts them in a good situation for going to play a TCU team. And you're talking about, you know, your wins. If you go play at TCU, you're taking on Sonny Dykes who is rebuilding that program. You should win that one. Iowa State's a question mark. I disagree with Baylor being a win. And the reason I disagree with Baylor being a win is I don't know how physical OU is going to be at this point. Because Baylor, what the, what Baylor's going to do, even with a new quarterback, is the fact that Baylor's going to try and run the ball. They're going to be physical up front. And then they're going to come hit you on defense. Can OU handle that? For 60 minutes. Under Brent Venables, we want to think so. We just haven't seen him do it yet. So I've got Baylor as a loss. I would put K-State down as a loss for kind of the same reasons I put Baylor. Can OU for 60 minutes 
handle a, a physical football team. There's no way they lose to Texas Tech at Lubbock. Again, Texas Tech has just as many questions as Iowa State or a lot of the Big 12 teams do this year. That's not going to happen. You got Oklahoma State and Norman. And even though you might, might even be able to make an argument that Oklahoma State is better than OU, I don't see OU losing to them in back-to-back years and one of those years being in Norman. You lose in Stillwater, OU comes back and wins it in Norman. And Texas, we know that that's going to be a tight ball game, but who's going to play starting quarterback at Texas? Will it be Ewers? Will it be Card? Is Steve Sarkeesian secure enough in his position where he can actually just coach his team? Or, or, is he, or is he so wound tight and his assistants are so wound tight that all they're doing is looking over their shoulders? And yeah, Texas somehow managed to put all that aside and play OU tough. But by the time they get to that game, we might have a really good idea of what the future for Texas will hold. And let's not forget Prior to playing Oklahoma, Texas play Alabama this year. It's an awful game to play. That is an awful game to play when you desperately need somewhere between, well, between eight and ten wins just to save your coach's job. It's a terrible game. It's a good chance Nebraska's beat up both physically and mentally by the time they get to playing Oklahoma. So there's no way that I would I would pick them. And I think I want to say, yeah, they've got Texas. Over under nine wins, they are right about that. Go the under. Now, where they're right about Oklahoma State, they have the over under at nine. They say go over. I say go over. I think both OU and OSU right now, if I had to pick, and again, you know, predictions. <laughs> predictions in me, I always say go the opposite. Um, I would say Oklahoma State wins 10. They'll beat Central Michigan. They will beat Arizona State. Arizona State is in worse position than Texas is as a program right now. Not only has Arizona State had a ton of defections, but they've got the NCAA crawling up their butt with a microscope. There is no way Herm Edwards is going to survive this year. And in fact, when they come to Stillwater, Mike Gundy might put a beat down on them, and that might signal the end of Herm Edwards. That right there, I mean, that alone, just talking about that game right now, Fires me up so much. That is a fascinating football game from that asset. I mean, should Mike Gundy feel bad about getting a guy fired? No, hell no. Go out beat the crap out of him. Uh, they'll wipe the floor with Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, again, three good games to start off with. And that Arizona State game will tell us the most because A, level of competition, but B, when you're looking at Oklahoma State's offensive line, that's always, it's always the major question coming in this year. Although I have heard from quite reliable source, Oklahoma State is going to be more, even more physical this year than they were last year. Um, Texas Tech, that's one I always put in the question mark category. I should, we should all be really confident that OSU is going to beat them, but Tech plays OU tough. They'll beat TCU. Um, CBS has Texas as a win. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, other than other than Iowa State, maybe West Virginia, I don't know who I would pick Texas outright against in the Big 12. Tells you how bad that that program is. Um, yeah, they'll, OSU will beat West Virginia. They'll beat Kansas. They'll beat Iowa State. They've got the losses, Baylor and Oklahoma. I would say yes on the Oklahoma loss, 
probably yes on the Baylor loss. I, I think you're about dead on there. I'd like to make a case for K-State beating them, but ultimately I think Oklahoma State is just too good. And with OSU, it really, I've said this a million times, what is the line going to play like as long as they're fine, as long as Spencer Sander can run, as long as they can rotate the running backs, they'll be fine on offense. And defensively, while the linebackers and the secondaries are a problem, if Trace Ford is healthy and Colin Oliver's on the other end, no quarterback's going to want to play against Oklahoma State because you're going to have the best rust combination in the Big 12. And I'll say it again, I think Colin Oliver's going to be the best player in the Big 12 this year. That's my prediction. That's my bold prediction for the year. Colin Oliver, best player in the Big 12. And at least best defensive player in the Big 12. Um, he'll lead the league in sacks. You know, unless something goes horribly wrong, this guy is just that good. And seeing his improvement from last year, where when you saw Colin Oliver play, not only did he did a great job getting off blocks, but he's got that quick first step. Can he improve on that? Uh, he is so sound fundamentally when it comes to tackling. He doesn't really launch it, guys. He wraps you up. He brings you down to the ground. And I don't know that there's any quarterback in the league that he can't keep up with when he chases them down. Just very, very excited about that kid. And honestly, two 10-win seasons for both OU and OSU. Um, with OU going to the Big 12 championship to play Baylor. That's what I've got now in prediction. Oklahoma State going to a really good bowl game. Could I be wrong? Yeah, absolutely could be wrong. In fact, I've probably got other podcasts here where I've contradicted that. <laughs> but after looking at this, that is what I would predict. And talk to me in three weeks. You know, I, I still got major questions about Dylan Gabriel. I've got less questions about Oklahoma State than OU. I just don't see OU losing to them in back-to-back -back years, at, at least this go-around. And don't get mad at me, Oklahoma State fans, because I think Oklahoma State's going to have a great year. In fact, if I am wrong, that's when you get to come back at me. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, okay, yes, I have been worried about him. I will continue to be worried about him until I see about three, four games in conference under his belt to know where he's really going. But as a leader, did the right thing. Took the team out to Medicine Park, had a little fun, did a little team-building exercise. It's summer, you're getting ready for camp, and that's what a quarterback needs to do. We see this not only in the college level, we see it at the pro level. As far as what went on out there, there's a 58-second video you can't really tell much. And honestly, it's best that we don't. And if we're being honest, I think we know too much about what goes on in these college athletes' lives. So if we get just a taste, that's great. But honestly, we don't need to know everything. And Pete Mundo was absolutely right. We don't need to know everybody that's giving you a scholarship offer. We don't. Keep that to yourself. When you're ready to sign, let us know. Even when you're ready to commit. I don't even want to know when you're ready to commit. Let me know when you're ready to sign. Let me know when you're ready to get on campus. But we've created a monster on all this, a monster that actually makes a lot of people a lot of money, so it's not stopping anytime soon. The other thing that's not stopping anytime soon is the Baker Mayfield saga, and Jake Trotter put a new twist on that. We'll tell you what it is coming up next. There's three things we know for sure that are always going to happen in this life. One, death. Not to be a downer, but as George Carlin says, We've all got an expiration date. It's mar it's marked on our calendar. Some point, some way, it's it's gonna happen. 
The Dropkick Murphys do quality work, and oh, very excited about their new album. By the way, they did all. They did a, it, It's a Woody Guthrie album. It's not Woody Guthrie covers, but it's lyrics written by Woody Guthrie that I don't think he recorded. Anyway, check it out. They recorded it in Tulsa, and they're going to be playing here. And I'm excited about that, and wanted to mention that for this show. The other thing that we know is that the Bay- Baker Mayfield saga is showing no signs of ending in everyday. There's something new about it. And the latest coming from Jake Trotter of ESPN, whom is a friend of this show, Jake suggested today that because you've got Deshaun Watson, who could possibly get suspended for a year, and I'm just throwing that out there, but at least a significant amount of time, and I would think a significant amount of time would mean a year or more, it could force... It could force Cleveland to go looking for another quarterback because the only other guy they've really got there is Jacoby Brissett. I think he started in like 30. I was surprised. He started in like 37 games. For the most part in his career, he's been a backup. And Cleveland's probably not real thrilled about him trying to carry them through the season. So what Jake came up with, and I don't think he just pulled this out of thin air, was the possibility of trading Baker Mayfield to the 49ers in exchange for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I find this fascinating. I think it's fascinating from a Cleveland standpoint because we're all going to be eating popcorn, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo plays out of his mind this year and wonder, well, does Cleveland really want Deshaun Watson back with all his baggage? But they did give him a guaranteed contract. I mean, there's some interesting drama in that. But for Baker Mayfield, I hate this move. Would hate it if he went to San Francisco. First and foremost, Baker Mayfield would go there as a backup, a $9 million backup, because that's another one of the stories that's out is that finally Cleveland's gotten desperate enough where they're going to eat half of his salary in order just to get him away from their organization. In order just to get rid of the headache, they'll take half the salary, they'll give him to somebody else. And the reason, look, Baker Mayfield is, has never been afraid of competition. He would not be afraid of competition in, in San Francisco. But you have to hate this because you've got a lot of careers riding on the line based on the success of Trey Lance. The 49ers moved up to get him. They had Jimmy Garoppolo start this year with the idea that they would groom Trey Lance, and when he was ready, he would start. And they've taken the extra step this year by telling Jimmy Garoppolo, stay stay away. Stay away from minicamp. We don't want you as the distraction. We need to get Trey the opportunity to develop on his own. And they're doing this presumingly to find a trading partner. Well, Carolina seems like they're out of the question because they seem to be all in on Baker Mayfield if they can get a deal done. We've not heard a peep from the 49 or not the 49ers, but the Seahawks. We haven't heard a word from them about what maybe they would do or wouldn't do with a quarterback, so it's it's mucked that thing all up. And now Jimmy Garoppolo going to Cleveland starts to make a lot of sense. Now, Baker Mayfield would go out, he would compete, but because there's because you have an organization that needs Trey Lance to succeed, Trey Lance is going to get every opportunity to fail, and that might not leave a whole lot of room for Baker Mayfield, where he spends the last year of his rookie deal in a new city, playing backup, not getting the opportunity to get on a field, and then the year after that, finding it hard to find a team that sees him as a starter. I don't know that he's going to be able to pull the mental 
Mitchell Trubisky, where he goes someplace for a year, doesn't play, and then gets the opportunity to start the way Trubisky is in, in Pittsburgh this year. I would hope, I mean, if that's the route it goes, that's what I want for Baker Mayfield, but that's the road less traveled, and that's not one that I think anybody would would put a surefire bet on. It's Right now, it feels like it's Carolina or a bust. If Baker Mayfield's going to start, it feels like it's Carolina or a bust for a lot of reasons. One, the fact that this is being talked about tells you that they're not, that, that Carolina is not necessarily thrilled or really likes what Sam Darnold is, is bringing to the party. Two, Matt Rule needs a guy that he trusts. And if it's not Sam Darnold, it might be Baker Mayfield because he knows his job is in jeopardy. Three, Matt Rule said that Matt Corral from Ole Miss, he's not on a timetable. Remember, Matt, Matt Corral was on a fourth-round draft pick, so he's not on a timetable. Translate that, he ain't ready. And we don't know when he's going to be ready. And if I'm looking at getting booted, I at least want to go out getting booted with a guy that gives me a chance to win, win a few games and possibly, if I get fired, Land, land another job. Carolina is the best fit at this point. Um, still would prefer Seattle over everything because style of play. You don't have to necessarily go win games when you're a quarterback, or at least you don't have to be the main cog. They want to run the ball. They want to be physical. They're going to have a good defense if everything goes according to Pete, Pete Carroll's plan. That's perfect. It just feels like it's not going to happen, and right now it's Carolina. And as much as you don't want to count Baker Mayfield out, this thing has just taken so many odd twists and turns that like, even, even the person with the strongest faith in the world, okay, in whatever God you believe in, is going to have some doubt about this. And I, I have to say, as, as all this drags on, if I'm Baker Mayfield's agent, I'm calling him every day just to check how he's doing mentally. That's your biggest fear if you're if his agent right now. How much is this wearing on him? Especially when the news about Deshaun Watson comes out and it's never good. Even today's news, where you have 20 of the 24 lawsuits getting settled, is not necessarily good news for Deshaun Watson because it doesn't mean that the NFL is not going to suspend him. And there's still four lawsuits that are out there. And I've said this and I'll state, you know, state my opinion, state my reputation on this that for at least these four women, I don't believe it's anything to do about the money. I think it's just to have their story told in a legal setting for it for as much information to get out there as possible. And for all these women who are taking the money, and I'm not saying that they're wrong for doing it, but you're going to have to sign a non-disclosure agreement so no one really knows what happened on your end. But Baker Mayfield to San Francisco from Jake Trotter, could he go in and beat out Trey Lance? He could. It just feels like the odds would be weighed against him because John Lynch needs that kid to succeed. The Big 12 SEC basketball matchups were announced. The Big 12 SEC Challenge basketball matchups were announced. Uh, both OU and OSU are going to be hosting this year. OU will play Bama at the LNC. Oklahoma State will play Ole Miss at GIA. Um, both of those are coming up in January. More importantly, what you have to ask yourself if you're a Big 12 athletic director or a Big 12 president is, did OU and Texas score us bad enough for us not to want to continue this? 
The answer to that is no. No, you still want to continue with the OU Big, or excuse me, the SEC Big 12 Challenge because that's one less headache you've got to worry about scheduling. Somebody's going to do that for you. It's either an away game, it's either a home game, but the opponents are going to be drawn and you don't have to worry about trying to fill an empty date. You just, you have the conferences take care of it, you move on, and you get down the road. And hey, give credit to our listener, Charles, because he brought up, along these same lines, he brought up a really good point, which is if you're the Big 12, do you go to the AAC once you get everybody in line in Central Florida and Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU come over? Do you go to the AAC and talk to them about a scheduling alliance where one week in a year, all Big 12 teams play all ACC teams? One, it alleviates a bit of a headache for everyone involved. For the Big 12, you love it because for the most part, it should be scheduling a win. There aren't really any AAC schools that should be better than many Big 12 schools. And you would think South Florida would want to continue to play Central Florida um, Oklahoma State is going to play Tulsa for a long time, but this would sort of ensure that Cincinnati could play whoever their their rival was. West Virginia, it's another easy game, you know, for them on their schedule or easier game. But I think that should happen, and it all circles around back to whether or not OU or OSU should be playing once OU leaves, and I don't think they should. I think for OU, it's kind of time to move on. From that rivalry for Oklahoma State, it's a lopsided rivalry. You got a chance to put OU in the rearview mirror. And I keep saying that if you win and you're competing regularly for conference championships, Oklahoma State should sell out regardless of who the opponent is on the field. So I think at least for a while in football, you take a break from each other. Maybe you renew it here in a few years. Maybe you get the opportunity to meet in a bowl game or a playoff series, or or in the playoffs, and that would be great. But other than that, for the most part, yeah, I, I, I scrap it. And I, I'd like to know where, you know, if they were being 100% honest, I'd like to know what Chad Weiberg had to say about that and Joe Castiglione had to say about it. I'd also like to know what the coaches have to say about it. You know, Brent Venables probably like, fire up, bring him on. Mike Gundy might be a little bit more honest. And Mike Gunny might tell you straight up that he just doesn't want to play OU anymore. But this is going to be another one of those those conversations. Until we actually see it happen, it'll be more speculation than it will be anything else. That wraps up this week's show. Please, please do me a huge favor. Subscribe, rate, and review. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase, Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.